Good evening and welcome. You're tuned in to the best in paranormal programming. This is the Paranormal 60 News Great Moon Hoax Edition. my little darklings and welcome to another edition of the paranormal 60 news let me remind you this weekend is a big one gettysburg battlefield bash is taking place that's august 19th through the 21st i will be in gettysburg as a matter of fact i'm going to be there until the 22nd i'll be watching the premiere of my brand new show that begins airing on august 21st while i'm right there stationed in gettysburg Ghosts of Devil's Perch. You've been waiting for it. I've been waiting for it. It's finally coming out. Travel Channel and Discovery Plus. Brand new series premiering August 21st. And then we'll run for eight consecutive weeks on Travel and Discovery Plus. I hope you'll tune in and check it out. Uh, That would mean a lot to me. And I will remind you that starting next week, I will also be doing a live show on Tuesday night where we'll be reviewing what took place in episode one of the Ghosts of Devil's Perch and giving you a little uh, peek at what you can expect in episode two of Ghosts of Devil's Perch. Uh, I'll do that every week until the series folds up and uh, we are going to have special guests joining next Tuesday. I will have historian Chris Fisk joining me. He is from Butte. He is a high school teacher, the town historian, the ghost tour specialist. So he's going to be on hand with us next Tuesday to talk about the first episode and it'll be live. So we'll be taking your questions. I want to make sure that you're a part of the show. I'll have my regular show on Monday night, Tuesday night, another live show. And then the following Friday, we've got supernatural news with the boys again. And and it is time to introduce the boys, ladies and gentlemen, it has been a while because this guy has got uh, more personal time built up than anybody else. I know, even though we've all started basically at the same time, he is, the one, the only, the paranormal detective, Greg Lawson. Greg, it's good to have you back. Uh, I guess some of the people take this as a full-time gig. You just kind of, I don't even want a part-time. Is that a right term for this? Dave, uh, I want you to know I value our time together. And, <laughs> I know uh, you know, I just have um, I have these yearnings, you know. You've got to spread your my, wings. I'm, I know you've been to Alaska. You've been to Seattle. You've been all over. I've been and, all over. Uh, you're going to be in Michigan Paracon next week. Uh, I'm going to be at the Michigan Paracon next week. This handsome fella is going to be at the Michigan Paracon next week. Colonel, oh, yeah. good to have you oh, back, sir. Yeah. Great to be here. Uh, look forward to Michigan Paragon. Mm-hmm. Uh, We're going to have a good time out there. I have also got another friend of ours who's going to be there. Chachi, Chachi, Chachi is going to be on hand as we all go to Michigan Paracon. You're going to be out there this year, right, Chachi? I am going to be there. I will not have Joni with me, but I will be there alone. Nice. But I will tell you, folks, if you see Chachi walking about with an empty hand, get him a Dragon's Milk beer. They're his favorites. Oh, God, no. (laughs) He loves them. The Game of Thrones begins when we're there. Just start loading him up with Dragon's Milk. I hope. Uh, 
Jeff Belanger, one hundred and ten percent responsible for that. You should <laughs> give, give Jeff yeah. Belanger two dragons. Milk. Oh, good God! I don't think he could make it through one. That little guy. <laughs> uh, we're gonna have a good time. I'm still working with the guys there to see if there's some night we can pull people aside, and maybe have a little bourbon tasting and kind of meet and greet with the news crew, uh, just as an unofficial fun little gig so if you're going to be out there just keep talking to us about it and we'll see if we can't get something to happen uh we got a lot to cover tonight plus a brand new pair of tunes so let's get started shall we i believe uh chachi you're up first and boy for anybody wow. that thinks they've had a, a bad week this week you come out swinging with a story that'll just kind of put everybody back in their place for just how bad their week they thought it was Thank God they're not this guy, right? I think about all the things I've done, and this has never even come close to happening to me as far as I'm aware. And what, Until what Michigan Paracon. <laughs> Until this year may happen. As far as I'm aware. Uh-huh. Oh, well, you hear what's happened. Yeah, yeah, this has been in a lot of different places, but the place I found it was a website called Best Life Online. So just remember that. This was on their Best Life First so, of all, man, before you get started, though, I would like to point out that I, I'm digging the background. I'm getting a Ron Burgundy feel that you have a library with many books and some that smell of leather. What is this fancy backdrop you got going? Do you like that? I oh, do. Yeah. Th- yeah. This is a uh, backdrop of all of my paranormal books. That's amazing. Yeah. I bet there's even a Greg Lawson and a Dave Schrader in here. Yeah. Get out of here. Oh, there's some um, idiots. Uh, whatever see that? Yeah, that's yeah. where I started right there. Yeah. The idiot yeah. Idiots guy. Otherwise known as the county library. That's right. <laughs> In the county library. I like lots, it. Lots of Hans Holzer from uh, your last series. Yeah. I do not oh. have a Ghost of Devil's Perch book yet. Well, there is none. So if you oh, did, I'd no. call you a time traveler oh, yeah. and want to know what you've been up to. Let's get to this story. Where are we going right, to go? Here Trash? we go. Man wakes up in coffin and says he would, was offered as a human sacrifice against his will. I love how the story starts because I can totally yeah. resonate. Humans yeah. are fallible. Resonate. And much mm-hmm. fallible. Yeah. <laughs> and much of the human experience is universal, which yes, means that is. many of us continue to make the same mistakes as generations of us others before us. For example, mm-hmm. indulging in a few too many and waking up the next morning in some place we regret. Except <laughs> maybe not like this. Yeah. A man in Bolivia claims he got drunk and woke up to realize he was being offered as a human sacrifice. Summer is the season of outdoor festivals, and like millions of merrymakers across the globe, 30-year-old Victor Alvarez was taking advantage of the opportunity to get outside and maybe disconnect a bit with the help of alcohol. Listen, Mm -hmm. you got to disconnect. Always get the help of Mother Alcohol. Specifically, he was attending the Mother Earth Fest in Al El alto bolivia on august 1st there indigenous groups congregate to make offerings to i'm going to screw this up but i'm going to try it okay this isn't intentional is it pacamama yes <laughs> of course i looked it, it, yeah. it up said pacamama wow the goddess of earth fertility and greg lawson yeah alvarez had had some drinks many drinks by his own admission and then things got weird. Alvarez passed out <laughs> after imbibing too much. A few mm-hmm. hours later, he awoke with the need to urinate. Fair. As one does, yeah. It was then that he realized he was lying inside a glass coffin that was covered with dirt. Beesh. We'd gone dancing, he told the media. The only thing I remember is that I thought I was in my bed, and I got up to pee, and I couldn't move. When I pushed the coffin, I barely broke the glass, and through the glass, dirt began to enter. I managed oh. to get out. However, I had been buried. 
Alvarez says that once he came to, he realized he was in, I think this is actually named after me, Achachachi, a town about yes. 50, a town about 50, Achachachi. Achachachi. <laughs> a town about 50 miles from the Mother Earth Festival. So 50 miles away in Bolivia now. Mm-hmm. He sought out the local police who, guess what? Didn't believe his story. Uh, Greg, we'll have you weigh in here in a moment. Mm -hmm. The officers told Alvarez he was still drunk, which he probably was, (laughs) telling him to go home and sober up. But Alvarez was sworn or has sworn to local media that he's telling the truth, claiming the group wanted to use him as a Sulu, a sacrifice to the goddess. Mm. Pictures and video were published in local media showing Alvarez looking bruised and smudged with dirt. Pacamama is a mythological figure revered by the indigenous people of the Andes. She is considered an earth mother and the goddess of fertility, which extends to the land, enabling a productive harvest and causing earthquakes. Various media sources report that in the modern day, sacrifices to her are common. However, it's usually sweets and not human, maybe even the occasional animal. So far, no known humans until maybe now. Wow. Can you imagine? Man, that's that's, that's like rough. the old kidney story, right? Where you wake up after drinking right. and your kidneys are gone. This takes yeah. it to a whole different level. See, and I thought my friends were like mean when they just put my hand in uh, warm and cold water while I slept. This they yeah. took that to a total. That's level one. Level. This is level two. The level yeah, this ten. Is this now, 10. listen. If if they really meant this guy harm, let's be honest. He wouldn't have just kicked the coffin open and got out. Right. Yeah. This guy, if this was a true sacrifice and I don't know, Greg, you're you have dealt with a lot of weird yeah. crimes in your life. If they really were trying to do this guy in, I think more than like a powder of dirt on top of a glass coffin would be it. Yeah. Yeah. They, they might have forgotten some things, you know, <laughs> like the. Yeah. Dirt. Yeah. 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 yeah that's it's like, uh, what were we going to do? And then integral yeah. part to uh, sacrificing is, you know, actually sacrificing. Yeah. What was that? The there was a movie. Often. What is that all With about? a good-looking male actor. I can't think who it was. It wasn't Serpent maybe it was and Ryan the Rainbow. Rose. No, it was Serpent and the Rainbow okay. with mm-hmm. uh, with uh, the guy from – he played Damien Omen 3, and then he was in the Jurassic Park movies, Sam Neill. Wasn't that it, Sam Neill? Sam Neill's an older gentleman, right? He is now. Oh. But back in the day, uh, Serpent and the Rainbow. Isn't that the movie you're thinking of where he gets buried? No, wasn't that another actor that was Serpent? Oh, that was, yeah, uh, you're right. Ryan Reynolds did do that movie where he was buried, buried alive. Right, right. Yeah. Right. Basically, the entire movie, right, is just him in a coffin with like a lighter or something, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Very low. I skipped that movie. We'll have to have you review it for us sometime. (laughs) Wow. Right up my alley. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Let's uh, let's get to it. Uh, Mr. Lawson, welcome to the show. Hey. You're surrounded by coffins. Coolest background yet. Oh, yep. thanks. Uh, I uh, I kind of like it here. Yeah, quiet, it's cold, cold and damp. Damp. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Moist. Moist. Speaking of damp. Yes. Um, how are y'all doing? I'm doing well. Nice I don't get well. that transition. I'm sorry. I, yeah, I, 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 I was waiting. Yeah, but speaking I, of damp, how are y'all doing? <laughs> no, see, here's the answer. If you noticed what I responded with, speaking of damp, how y'all doing? Well. Get it? Water. Well, well oh, moisture. Wow. Yeah. wow. I'm a dad. Okay. Well, kind of guy that's why this is your show, Dave. Yeah. yeah uh, let, it let's, used to let's, be. Let's, <laughs> let's move right along. Yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, you yeah. ready? You ready for this? Yeah. Let's right. do four, let's these do are it. four steps to getting rid of a ghost baby who haunts your home. 
I thought that you guys uh, might need this just in case you had a ghost baby that haunted your home. Okay. So uh, there are some very creepy types of ghosts in various folklore traditions. Unlike your generic ghost, some ghosts are created when they die in a particular gruesome way or appalling ways. Or when the proper rites around their death have not been observed. Take, for instance, the Scandinavian ghost they call the myling. Sometimes they call it an Uthbird. Yeah, Uthbird. Uthbird. Uh, Uthbird. Mm-hmm. A myling is a ghost of a baby who is killed by its parents and right. not buried properly. Wow. Oh. I just looked up and saw that. And it, yeah, yeah. It's a, there's a problem there. They yeah. have a problem. Yeah. Um, in, in other words, uh, it's a victim of infanticide. In fact, the alternative terminology, Utbird, is Norwegian for that which is taken outside. This reference is made to the infanticide practice of leaving an unwanted child out in the elements where it could quickly freeze to death or be taken away by wild animals. Mm. It's nice that we have uh, that it happens so often that we actually have a word that we use for it. Yeah. Right, put him, put him outside. All right, let's put him outside. All right. So the goat, the ghost will haunt the place of its death or the dwelling of whom killed it. Uh, it's known primarily by its unearthly, disembodied cries. It will weep and wail because no one ever cared for it. Not even enough to name it or give it a proper burial. But. You can uh, put the spirit of this supernatural horror at peace by following these four steps. Give the baby a name. Carry the baby toward hollow ground like a church or a cemetery yard. Legend says that the baby will grow bigger as you get closer, making Mm -hmm. it more and more difficult until you get there. Bury the baby properly. And uh, one additional step is really more for your benefit. Definitely. Definitely get therapy after you yeah. do this. Yeah. Wait, so, so wait, have you now given Uthbert, directions yeah. to those that wish to kill their own children well, you know, how to get just, rid of the body yeah, and the, the ghost? I, I thought that was kind of strange. I was feeling kind of creeped that. out on that, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. Wow. You know, we haven't had that know. since he's been gone. I know, because he's he's the bringer of knowledge. Exactly. He is, yeah. He is right. the bringer of knowledge. Uh, yeah. Congratulations. That and is. you know what else we've been missing? Dumbest news of the day. How's that uh, dumb news? It's yeah. horrible news. Yeah. It, dumb? it is horrible back. news, but How you just have... told you told the you know, <laughs> hey, if you have are a parent that killed your child and don't know how to get rid of it or it's uh, you know, ghost. Here's how you do it. So I don't here's know. the four you, steps. Yeah. Maybe you've remember been it gets long. bigger the closer you get to the burial site, so it'll be harder yes. and harder. Yeah, got a Crazy. big, big baby. At Look the at end. that thing. Would you cuddle that and take it to the grave? Look at him. Put it outside. It's kind of cute mm. in a way. But Oop anybody's Martin. ever been to an Alice Cooper concert? It looks like the baby he has on stage. Ah. Oh really? Oh yeah. Bird. Bird. Put him outside. Yeah. All right, uh, Colonel, you're up. I hope you've got go. a little bit more cheery tale for us than uh, <laughs> Yeah. Well, unfortunately, the I don't the, think uh, I do. detective. Yeah, no? I know. Yeah. I, well, okay. what a, what you know, it's not, it's not every day when we experience random issues in our home that are completely unexplainable and mm-hmm. leave us scratching our heads trying to figure out a solution to the random 
situation. Well, some of us may have thankfully dodged experienced such moments. Not everyone has been so lucky, Dave. No. Today's case in point, TikTok content creator at Lexi Rye. Recently, she uploaded a video showing us how her bathroom wall appears to be bleeding. Yes, Dave, bleeding. Mm. In the video, and I, I think I sent you a copy of the video. I don't know if you still have it. Yeah, in I do. That video, oh, great. Um, in that video, that's, mm -hmm. that's already amassed over 3 million views. We've shown a dark red liquid that dripping down from her mirror cabinet onto her countertop. What's even more strange is that when she opens the cabinet door, there's no evidence of the liquid substance on the inside. This is a real confusing situation that for sure giving us horror movie vibes. And if you don't mind, Dave, uh, if you have that, could you just show that film for me, please? You got it, boss. Can anyone help explain to me why my walls are bleeding? I've lived in this house for 20 years, and suddenly last night, my cabinet starts to bleed. I open the cabinet. It's not coming from the inside. There's crap on here, but it's not blood. That's not cabinet blood. So I close the cabinet, look underneath, and it's just kind of a starting point of blood. But the wall is definitely bleeding. This is straight out of a horror movie, not coming from inside. Nope, that's not bloody. That's not bloody. Close the cabinet. What in the shit is on the inside of this cabinet suddenly that is making my walls bleed? Anyone. Can anyone help me figure out why my wall is bleeding or am I being possessed? And so when I hear the name anyone, there's only one person Ooh. I think of that could answer this question. Oh, anyone. That's mm -hmm. me. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. Bleeding walls. Paranormal. Yeah. You know, there, there could be a, there could be an electric ballast up there that has gone mm -hmm. bad and it starts mm -hmm. secreting fats and oils that uh, help the ballast do stuff. It could be a possum that got stuck in the wall mm -hmm. or it could be mm -hmm. Satan. Yeah. Good. Well, at least yeah. you clarified. Yeah. 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 I, three I, would, I, I would definitely pull that pull that uh, medicine cabinet out of there uh, probably <sighs> like all now. those stories of people that do that in their bathroom and then they find like a whole hidden room how yeah. awesome would that be uh yeah. no uh, not if it's or filled with blood you, oh, you, yeah. pull, you know a little time, blood pull, it's not gonna hurt anyone come on come you pull on. the medicine cabinet out and the head is right there just a head yeah that God. always creeps me out when that happens yeah yeah. I, uh, I've actually been to a building here in the Twin Cities area, and I was told through rumors that the walls bleed, but you're not supposed to talk about it or bring it up. And I was like, whatever. And I was at this building for an event, and uh, it is a fraternal order. That's all I can really say. This uh, lodge is, uh, you know, there was another kind of show going on there. And, and I noticed, but it's not in one place where I would have thought, like you, Greg, that maybe maybe a raccoon or a rat died in the wall and it's just bleeding through, but that would also affect the wall. And so I actually went up and I kind of rubbed my finger along it and wiped it off the wall to look if there was a spot that it was coming out from. And once I did that, it just stopped. Yeah. And then about two inches over the blood starts trickling out of the wall at a different spot. Mm. I don't know what this viscous fluid was. It felt very ticky. What did it taste ticky? like? Tacky, it. Uh, I, I didn't do that. I'm not a. Is it? That's what an investigator does. Yeah, that's a paranormal detective, not a. Yeah, yeah. 
DTV's Dave Schrader. Yeah, I don't. Right. Uh, oh, but it was gross and it was weird. That was very strange. Uh, it was a completely weird experience to see that. You know, I mean, it, you hear the claims and there it is. Yep. And and depending on how many uh, layers of latex paint that somebody puts mm-hmm. over their uh, over their sheetrock, sometimes that stuff can bubble up if something dies up up in the attic and it seeps down and it'll get between the sheetrock and the and the uh, latex paint and create like a big blister and you just got to go up there and pop pop it. Yeah, you know, five star hotels aren't what they used to be, are are they? Uh, they're just. <laughs> <laughs> Who can afford five star hotels now? Yeah, yeah. There's a recession going on, Marty. Yeah, yeah. 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 Tap on the colonel, I guess. There, there, Next time I come out there, he better not be taking me to the gas station for my opening <laughs> meal. No, no, for five star hotels. Come on, Dave. I'm taking you somewhere special for dinner. It's a gas station. Bucky's. True story. The in the Bucky. world. I had to take yeah. the Bucky's, man. That's just like the first thing you take everyone that's never been to yeah. Texas to. Yeah. Totally. Bucky's. When you come to Minnesota next, I'm going to get you some lutefisk because that's what everybody should try. Some <laughs> lye soap encrusted fish that's been sitting on a windowsill for months. But you got to oh. try it, Marty. Everybody does it. <laughs> wow. All right. I sound a little bitter. Let me get into this uh, next story. Hmm. Um, Charles Dickens, as you guys are familiar with uh, A Christmas Carol, was fascinated by the supernatural, but he was also a skeptic. Now, Charles Dickens, of course, a master of the spooky story. I don't know if you guys realize this, but he wrote more than just one ghost story. And more than 150 years after his death, his tales of phantoms, goblins and ghosts of Christmas past continue to frighten and delight readers around the world. But Dickens' fascination with spirits and specters transcended the pages of his fiction. Amid the spiritualist craze that gripped Victorian society, he sought out haunted houses and attended seances, even as he kind of scoffed at the idea of ghosts even existing. The author's multifaceted relationships with the supernatural is the focus of an upcoming exhibition at the Charles Dickens Museum in London, opening this fall to be read at dusk. Dickens, Ghosts, and the Supernatural explores Dickens' lasting influence on the ghostly story genre. He published more than 20 spooky tales in his lifetime, and his uh, dogged interest in the paranormal continued throughout his entire life. Contended. Yeah, let's all have a sip on that one, huh? Mm. Mm Mm-hmm. Let's celebrate now, as a, Dave who never messes up. That very rarely, I try yeah. not to. But thanks, uh, thanks for including me in the games. I I appreciate it. <laughs> now, from an early age, Dickens was immersed in scary stories. His nanny, known as Miss Mercy, terrified him with nightmarish bedtime tales. Unmoved by his pleas that that she stop, he was hardly strong enough and old enough to deal with the story being told to him. And yet, the author later recalled that she never spared him one word of it. So she was just horrible, right? Just totally teasing him with the <laughs> with the supernatural. And uh, as an older child, he read a weekly horror magazine called The Terrific Register, acutely aware of the intense and contradictory emotions that these scary stories would, you know, somehow provoke inside of him. Dickens' interest in the supernatural persisted into adulthood. And according to the museum's website, Dickens was a fascinated skeptic, more interested in the psychological roots of paranormal occurrences than in finding proof of their actual existence. And uh, I thought this was pretty interesting as, as you go along and learn more about 
the historic people that, uh, you know, wrote the books that we all grew up reading and and uh, seeing all of this. He was uh, so into the spiritualism movement and religious cultural movement rooted in the belief that the souls of the dead can communicate with the living. Uh, that that movement, of course, you know, swept through America and Europe in the 19th century, and they counted many prominent figures among its uh, adherents. He actually was, um, th- they consider him one of the founders of the Ghost Club in yeah. London, England. So while Dickens attended multiple seances, he remained unconvinced. The writer is also thought to have been a founder of the London Glos- Ghost Club. Oh, that's another one. Ghost Club. Wow. It's hard to say. Yeah, yeah. that investigated supposed supernatural encounters, all with the intention of just exposing frauds. Dickens was not immune to the crazies, though, uh, that captivated Victorian society during his lifetime. He considered himself a skilled practitioner of mesmerism, which purported to cure patients by putting them into trances and then manipulating magnetic fluid in their bodies. But... The ghosts, goblins, and other supernatural phenomena that populate this uh, writing perhaps reflect a more keen awareness of what his readers wanted to see rather than his own personal convictions. He loved the idea of people being scared of ghost stories, Dunbar tells The Guardian. Dickens, she added, was a businessman. And he knew exactly what he was doing. He liked to be close to his audience. He was in touch with the popular culture of the time. And he just played into that. So he knew what his audience was. He knew what they were looking for, and he delivered. Um, I don't know. Have, have you guys read any of Dickens' other scary stories? I haven't, no. Yeah, we should. Uh, I've been saying I wanted to do this for years, and I think now that we've got the crew for this, um, I, I just got to find a, an engineer that's willing to do the work for us. I think we should do um, a radio play of A Christmas Carol that we can play this Halloween season where we do all the voices and uh, we'll get some of our, uh, our listeners to chime in and maybe some of our famous friends to do a couple of lines um, of, of dialogue, not cocaine, just so we're clear on that. Oh, yeah. Those are friends. Yeah. So that, uh, that might be something. We should do that live. That would be really great. Yeah. I'd prefer that we edit. I mean, you know, I mean, especially speaking in English, yeah, I mean, we're having trouble with regular English. Listen, I, don't know. I, I wrote down, you got mesmerism great. Mesmer. Yeah. Yeah, that's he, a good word. That's one of his Thank words, you. though. But you got yeah. ghost wrong, so, uh, you know, I don't know. <laughs> you know, I, I didn't get that's ghost us. wrong so much as ghost club. When you run, run them together, your mind is trying yeah. to yeah. fill in yeah. gaps. So ghost club just sounded uh, much well, better in my mind. It does. It does. All right. Eric, you're back up. You've got another story to share for us, and this time we're going to go into uh, one of uh, one of America's most haunted churches. I've been told. Correct, ripe yeah. with demonic Ouija boards, scratches, wow. and more. There we go. Yikes! All A right, creep- here we go. A creepy church terrified ghost hunters when they received demonic Ouija board messages before fleeing the place of worship with scratches on their arms. Yeesh. Todd Morden Unitarian Church. And West Yorkshire is a well-known hangout for phantom-like figures. And for experienced ghost hunter Rob Pike and his team, all the terrifying rumors turned out to be true. Pike had visited the haunted church during the Easter weekend of 2019 with about a dozen family members. We weren't expecting a lot, to be brutally honest, Pike admitted, and he was in for a lot more than he bargained for. Pike and his team start ghost hunting events with a protection, he explained, to ensure they don't bring any unwanted guests home. However, before they did this, three members of the group went into the cellar, calling on the ghost to come forward and do their worst. 
I'm disappointed already. When they emerged, all three had scratches on their arms, Pike said. They were well aware. Nope, that's not what it says at all. They were well aware. <laughs> I didn't screw the word up. I just got ahead of myself. Ah, uh, well. They were well away from anything that was down there. Nothing caught them. But the three of them came up with three physical red scratches on their arms. But their foray into the otherworldly was just beginning. After performing the protection, the group were exploring the church when they heard three almighty bangs up at the top of the bell tower, even though nobody, including the two volunteers who were working at the church, were up there. Despite the terrifying start, the group decided to continue with their original plan for the night, using a Ouija board to contact spirits. But as Pike's wife began to move a large table to the place, what does it say? But as Pike's wife began to move a large table to place the board on, she was overwhelmed by a horrifying stench of sulfur. There were these little clues throughout the night, these little things that happened. Whether or not they were hints, I didn't get them. Pike and his crew extracted the Ouija board, which he says they clean, cleanse carefully before and after each use to ensure that no spirits are left over from other locations. They were just about to get started on the board when Pike noticed his beagle Dory with her paws up on the wall, something he thought was suspicious. If she doesn't have to expend energy, she won't. If she can be asleep, she'll be asleep. But she was up at the wall looking up, but there was nothing up there. It was then that things took a turn for the worse. We managed to get the glass moved in between a few of us. We got information, though. We got a birth date and so on. So I asked, are you playing games with us? And the planchette went straight to yes. yes. All of a sudden, the planchette started to go around in an anti-clockwise circle, Pike recalled. Isn't that also a counterclockwise? counterclockwise? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but when you're over there, it's anti-clockwise. Oh, that's yeah, right. I forgot. When you're dealing with demons, it's anti. Oh, oh, yeah. that. That's the yeah. difference. Okay. Because it says that is believed to be the evil direction of rotation. I thought, okay, whoever you are, I want you to leave the board. <laughs> the Pike. evil way of rotation. I like that. Yeah, listen, I, I highlighted it, actually. Mm -hmm. uh, Pike asked the spirit to leave several times with the planchette moving to no each and every time. Mm -hmm. Eventually, the poltergeist left, and Pike and his posse decided to leave. Finally, safely back in their car and on the road, Pike and his family chatted away about their horrifying experience when a final spooky encounter occurred. What? Yeah. We put on a Stevie Nicks CD. I'm sorry. <laughs> we put on a U2 CD. Ooh. We were giving family members a lift home. The music didn't stop, but a loud voice came over the speakers as clear as day and said, shut up. Pike has been back to the church twice, but nothing quite as scary has ever happened. Hmm. I don't shut remember up. Bono yelling that out in any of his... I remember... We're taking the song back. Charles Manson stole it from the Beatles. We're stealing it back. I remember that from, uh, you know, uh, Helter Skelter, but I don't remember, mm -hmm. remember just yelling shut up in the middle of a song. Shut Unless maybe up. Edge was getting on his nerves. Yeah, that could have been. Mm. Yeah, they have maybe. a good relationship, though, right? I don't uh, know. They're not like John and Paul. No. No, I don't know. You know Paul who does have a good relationship? Cindy Kaza and Dave Schrader. That's why they're back with the Ghosts of Devil's Perch, which begins August 21st on the Travel Channel and Discovery Plus. So make sure you check that out. It's this Sunday, everybody. You've been wanting to see Cindy and I back on TV. We're back this season on Ghosts of Devil's Perch. So check it out. Yes, don't worry. We're not going to keep reminding you every week, multiple times, just one or two times every episode. That's all. 
All right, Gregory, you've got a story right. to share. Yeah, I do. What have you got? Yeah. There? Ah, mm -hmm. So uh, yeah. let's go to Harvard, mm -hmm. uh, shall we? A Harvard professor believes alien tech could have crashed into the Pacific Ocean, and he wants to find it. A Harvard University professor believes a meteorite that crashed into the Pacific Ocean in 2014 may be made of material that one could expect to be in their favorite sci-fi movie. Avi Loeb. Is that right? Avi Loeb? Yeah. Yeah. Avi Loeb, the longest-serving chair of, the, of Harvard University's Department of Astronomy, is convinced that this object may be alien technology or a meteorite of unprecedented material strength. None of this is possible to confirm without physically studying the object, so the professor has planned an expedition to retrieve it <laughs> to mm -hmm, retrieve mm -hmm. it that will cost over one million dollars let's all take a drink Ooh. shall we yeah, yeah i I, I yeah, yeah i'm not that. sure where i was with that y'all can y'all can see it's underwater there yeah and so it's going to cost over a million dollars and funding from private donors this will be the first time that humans put their hands on material that makes an object that came from another star. While the data now confirms that the object is of interstellar origin, the path to confirm this wasn't immediate. Mm -hmm. Using the data from government sensors, primarily used for na na national natural. Oh, boy. Nah, nah, nah. Hey, 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 have a drink, drink. Mm. Greg, you got us. Uh, what? A, wait, don't start drinking this? until the show starts. Nah. You're not supposed to start throwing them back beforehand. Those who white clothes will get thing? to you, son. Using data from government sensors, primarily used for national security as part of our missile defense program, Loeb and his students studied multiple meteors to see if any stood out. I found the catalog that the government compiled of meteorites that were detected by government sensors of our missile warning system. I asked my student to check if any of the meteors, the fastest moving meteors, could have arrived at Earth from outside the solar system, he explained. There was one particular that sparked interest of Loeb and his student, Amir Sirash. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Based on the speed of the meteor and how much the object burned up on entry, Loeb determined that it must be made of material that is tougher than iron. Despite the government releasing limited data due to national security concerns, he had discovered something groundbreaking. The paper he wrote with his student laid out what he believed to be true. But three years after writing his findings, a major development confirmed that what he knew all along. After a few years, the release of the letter from the U.S. Space Command in the Department of Defense stated that it's, it, it stated explicitly that this meter at 99.999% confidence level came from outside the solar system. Armed with this new evidence validating his findings, Loab decided to take action and make moves to recover the object. Loab is confident that they will recover what they are in search of. While Loeb has raised half a million dollars, he is still seeking an extra million that will be needed to get a boat to the meteor explosion site off the coast of Papua New Guinea in order to retrieve the interstellar object. Yeah. Very so nice. So there you go. Interesting. Wow. How, how do you spell his last name? I want to read more about that. Loeb, L-O-E-B. 
Low yeah. ebb? Like oh, yeah, Lisa, Lisa Lowe. Low yeah. yeah. Oh, I said. That's right. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, good God. God. Why oh. do you got to be so sensitive about everything, Greg? Yeah, come on. Just, yeah, come on now. Just trying to do my job. You don't see the colonel so easily rattled, and he's Not been at retired. All. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's it. Maybe you're just so relaxed now. Compl- Your color's looking great, Marty. Have you been out in the sun? I have, actually. I was at a uh, UT football practice yesterday with our oh. friend Eric Folsom, actually. So. Wow, in Austin, guys- where yeah. I live? Yeah. yeah. That's nice that y'all did that. Yeah. yeah. I didn't get an invitation either, Greg, so quit your whining. All right, Martin, where are we going? Hey, uh, Dave there. The world is... Thanks for recognizing me. Hey, Greg, Greg, Dave, whoever you are. See, look, Marty, it'll help you if you just look up. You see, it says Paranormal 60 with... Oh, Dave. Dave. That big banner. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. It's it's there to help you in case you forget halfway (laughs) through. Thank you. That that does help. Thank you. And then right in front of me, right there, if you look, uh, where is it? Right there by my microphone, Dave, Dave Schrader. Schrader. Yeah, the guy just, below me, that's Greyog Loeb. Lo- Lawson. Loeb. Loeb. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Dave. And I will yeah. make sure to use those, uh, mm-hmm. those, those little cues yeah, yeah. things next time. Yeah. I put them there to help you. Yeah. Thanks. Appreciate it. Uh-huh. Sure. Hey, uh, the world needs to step up its probe into 143 unexplained close encounters between unidentified aerial ph- phenomena, or UAPs, and military jets before tragedy strikes, according to U.S. Congressman Tim Burchett. Though Defense Chief and U.S. Space Agency NASA have launched separate probes into potential alien craft, the 57-year-old politician has warned progress has not been quick enough. He has called on the U.S. government to, take, to make public all the record it holds on UFO sightings and top gun pilots who claim to have had close encounters to be called to give evidence to Congress. Tim, former mayor of Knox County, Tennessee, expressed frustration. Defense chief have so far only been able to find an explanation for one of 144 reported sightings since 2004. He claimed the search for the truth is being hampered by a lack of transparency, which isn't just unfair to the public, but it could be it could put the safety of our pilots in jeopardy. Plenty of military pilots have reported UAP encounters that have no logical explanation, he said. Some of them have warned it was only a matter of time before an aircraft got into a mid-air collision with an unexplained object. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yet, despite these warnings and reports, <laughs> wow, yeah, technically moans or what are those that you guys are doing? I, it was I pain. don't know what he was doing. Was pain. I, just, I try to give yeah. Marty a little, mm, yeah, to let yeah. him know we're still listening, and then it, it throws yeah. him off every time because then he's like, yeah, mm, mm, yeah. Yeah. yeah, he wants to participate <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. All right, yeah. go ahead. So Tim Burkett, Burchett. Yeah. So some of them yeah. have warned it was only a matter of time before the aircraft. Yeah. We talked about that. Yet, despite these warnings and reports, the first standardized reporting structure wasn't established until 2019. Our government has been surprisingly quiet about the topic for many decades, despite the many reports. In June, NASA announced it is forming a team of space bofins to probe such unidentified aerial phenomena. The team will spend nine months examining evidence before producing a report that will be made to public. 
A spokesman for the space agency said, while there's no evidence the sightings were extraterrestrial in origin, it accepted unidentified phenomena in the atmosphere are of interest for both national security and air safety. Mm. Mm. Yeah, well, that's mm. understandable. Yeah. What would you do, guys? You're, you're on a plane heading to the Michigan Paracon, which takes place next week, and you're just looking out the window and you suddenly see a UFO come up alongside would you start videotaping would you just stare so that you didn't miss it and keep your eye on it what what would your uh, mark what would yeah what would you do um yeah you know the iphone's coming out i'm taking pictures Mm -hmm. um but you know it doesn't matter by the time you turn it on get it ready load it you may have missed it already god how i would i would be more concerned that the uh flight attendant is missing my drink from being filled (laughs) That's really what would uh, what concerns me at that point. God, I me and Eric, but, and, you know, we we skipped over the bofins altogether. You know, we got a we're getting a bunch of bofins. Bofins. What are bofins? Yeah, yeah. I don't know what a bofin is. It's a scientist. It's a slang. It's an English slang slang term for scientist. Yeah. Both. Yes. Wow. Look an individual you. engaged in scientific I research. I got an associate's degree in English. Nice. Wow. <laughs> You uh, you, you googled it while he said it, didn't I you? I can't I can't read or spell, but there you go. Yeah, but I know what bofin means. Bofin, uh, you stupid bofin. Yep. So you would videotape it, Greg? I would. Yeah. Oh no! No, no now Greg we're on the Greg. Mean. You see how he's in the big. Look square. at the names, yeah. Marty, on the screen. You're yeah, Marty. Help you he's he was talking to me, but I guess we. I did well. Over in, in Marty's defense, mm-hmm. I said, Marty, what do you think? And both Eric and Greg answered earlier. So. Yeah. It's only well, fair that we Greg and Marty. Names. Yeah, Greg and Eric make one Marty. Oh, is that? Yeah. Wow. wow. That. So you'd videotape. Wow. Yeah. I, I would Eric. definitely videotape. That would be the first thing. I'm, I'm hitting my little button there. How about you? You know, there's a button on your phone that will automatically start videoing, right? So I'll be the no, first to I, admit. Oh, I don't have my phone on during the flights. What? We're yeah, like I don't keep my phone on. I, I like watch a movie. I read. Sometimes I talk to the people next to me, or I oh, you're like the Dave, window. Oh, I was gonna Dave, say he yeah, follows. Goes, hey, so where are you heading? Where are you guys? Up to? <laughs> I just well, bait I'm, them, I'm hoping I'm they're gonna say, where, "Where are you going?" Yeah, it's exactly. I'm just hoping. Yeah, I'm hoping yeah. they're just gonna uh, bait them into it so they talk just, to me. What and do you do realize, for a living? I'm Rick from Pawn yeah. Stars. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. So videotape. That's just the consensus across the board, yeah, not watching it and just taking it in. I would actually no. not use videotape because it's a very old format. I would use the <laughs> iPhone. iPhone. All right. Yeah. I, I got my video camera on my shoulder. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they don't, you know, yeah. I guess there are some flights that don't allow you. If they see you pull out a camera and start filming out the window, they actually tell you to stop. Do you know any reason for that, Greg? Being the law enforcement kind of guy you nope. pretend to be. No, no, nope. could be no because the pilot was speeding. Uh, yeah, I think that's a that could be it too. I don't know if that's, I don't I know if that's necessarily, the or maybe, truth of it maybe all. the airlines have full rights for UFO, uh, mm. uh, oh, video taping copyright. Yeah, yeah, mm, you didn't could, think about that, did you? Yeah, hey guys, yeah. do you realize what, yeah, uh, well, gosh, what was this week? Like, yeah, earlier this week. Do you realize that uh, it was the death anniversary of the pretzel himself, Elvis Presley? Yesterday. No, yeah. a couple days ago, right? You yeah, it was on, uh, what was it, Tuesday. I remember where I was when he died. So do I. My buddy's house. Were you? Yeah. Yeah, we were, uh, I, I was dropped off for uh 
babysitting in the morning because I was a little kid. I was 10 years old and I was staying at his house. And I remember uh, we heard it on the news that morning. And then I went up and woke him up and, and told him that Elvis? Elvis was dead. Yeah. Oh, your friend. Yeah. Oh, no, I didn't uh, wake up Elvis. There was no waking uh, him up. Guys. No, not at that point. You, so yeah. when you I, die I, in the pooper, that's it. Yeah. So I, I know we're all from different generations. So I'm going to ask a serious question oh, here. So the first like famous person that I ever remember passing away. And I remember I was like, where was I when that happened was Prince. That was my, you know, earliest memory. So, you know, Oma, your first 50 years. So, so mine was Reagan. That was the first one I really remember was Reagan, right? When he got shot. shot. Yeah. Not when he died, when he got shot. So that was in the afternoon. I know we got a, a 60 minute show here, but when did Elvis die? I don't even know. Was it a morning, like, afternoon? When did it break on TV? We didn't have 24 hour news cycles back then. So yeah. I'm assuming I don't remember. Uh, in the morning, you know, he's having right. A well, I think morning he went constitution. To, uh, yeah. Well, it was like middle of the night. He was having trouble sleeping, uh, if I remember. And he went in and he was reading a book, and uh, Dukin, Dukin went out and then just kind of, oh, that's it. Yeah. Beefed mm. it right there. So wow. they found him ass up and. Man. Pressed on the book, did, I guess. I don't did know. they actually report that at the time, or was that something you guys found out? <laughs> I, I think they said that they found him on the throne. The king was on the throne, if I remember oh, correctly. Wow. From, wow. but that was like uh, the the morning jocks talking about it. But uh, I mentioned that because it's time now for paratunes. Thank you, thank you very much. That was a long just... paratunes intro. Wow. Yeah, I, I got to tell you though, there. Uh, if you guys have not seen Baz Luhrmann's new Elvis movie, it's well worth watching. There's some inaccuracies in the telling of the time frame of some of the stuff, but the actor they got playing Elvis is freaky good. I mean, really, I guess this guy kind of lot for minors and he locked himself in basically for two years watching everything Elvis did and learning to talk like him. And now when he does interviews, he still has kind of that drawl in the way of speaking like Elvis. Um, but he does such a good job. There are times when you're watching the movie, at least for me, I forgot. I wasn't watching Elvis. That's how good wow. he was. Wow. Yeah. Let's all do our Elvis impression. Uh, Dave got. That's not. I, uh, Come on, Dave. Uh, I like another fried nano sandwich, man. That's, mm. that's, that's, that's pretty good. Like so it. let me ask yeah. you, Dave. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Johnny Cash movie, Walk the Line. Yeah. Uh, what? Joaquin Phoenix. Who did a, a better portrayal of the uh, Joaquin of Johnny or this guy of uh, Elvis? No, this guy of Elvis. Hands no down. kidding. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, Joaquin okay. was okay, but I just I always see him as Joaquin Phoenix. This guy, <laughs> there are points like when he does the comeback special, eh, you you would have a hard Blurred time the lines, telling huh? really? Elvis. Yeah, wow. Okay. <laughs> Rami Malik, Rami Malik in Bohemian Rhapsody, that same essence. But Baz Luhrmann does a much bigger style kind of production the way he does the storytelling. So. It's it's visually alluring. It's beautifully crafted, well acted, and and uh, check it out for yourself. But we do. Uh, we, I got a little email here. All right, from some listeners. Are you ready for Ooh, this? I feel like we're going back email. to Casey like Kasem time, right? Paper email. <laughs> yeah. I have the letter says, "Hi Dave, <laughs> this is Johnny Cobb, and I really enjoy your show." Two original songs from our current project are attached for your consideration. This one is called Rendlesham, about the UFO incident in England. You have our permission to use them. Both compositions were composed, produced, and performed by Johnny Cobb, vocals and keyboards, and Grammy-nominated artist. 
How about that? And Jerry McCoy, guitars and bass. He's a master guitarist from the Blues Hall of Fame. Ultra International Music, BMI, and Air Hammer Music, BMI. Thanks for your time and interest. And ladies and gentlemen, here they are, Johnny Cobb and Jerry McCoy, with a little tune they call Rendlesham. Just after midnight, late December 1980. Strange lights in the sky, glowing spears upon the trees. The woods lit up like fire, electricity. Shum, shum. I'm starting to learn the lyrics already. It's a catchy tune. That was a, that had a Peter Gabriel vibe to it. Yeah, Yeah, it did. Yeah. I was thinking, yeah. Peter Gabriel. Very cool. That's good music. Hey, I've got some special news in our commercial edition of the uh, episode, guys. I got to jump into this real quick. There's a brand new book out there called Conflicted Reality, My Paranormal Journey by Eric's wife, Nikki Folsom, with a foreword 
by Dave Schrader. That guy's good. Wow. I don't yeah. care what kind of project he's associated with. You know it's going to be good. Ooh, look at yeah, Eric already has a copy. Yeah. Conflicted Reality. Conflicted Reality. I'll put a link up for that book in today's program guide so you can find it, order it for yourself. It's an amazing story filled with all kinds of cool paranormal activity that happened to Nikki Folsom, and some of it was with me and her husband. Wow. Wow. Paranormal menage a trois, if you will. Mm. Wow. I never thought of it that way, Dave, but I will always think of it that way going forward. <laughs> I, thanks I for do. doing I, the forward for her, by the way. I appreciate it. Oh, of that. course. Of yeah. course. Dave, I had no Dave, choice. Was you've what? been to Rendlesham Forest. I have been to Rendlesham. Yeah. Ren, Ren, Dull, Dull, Shum, Shum. Do you remember touching Rendlesham. the thing there? Excuse me. Whoa, whoa, Greg, whoa. Show decorum? Yeah. Family show, Greg. Family uh yes, show. we 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 touched the pretend UFO that they crafted and put in the space. Right. Yeah, well, you and I were like, it seems like there was a really good photograph of uh some of us there, but I guess don't remember that. that. You know what I do remember? Coming up this weekend is Ghosts of Devil's Perch on Travel Channel. You can see it on Travel Channel and Discovery Plus. Dave Schrader, Cindy Kaza, KD Stafford, all on hand to be a part of this. I'm excited. Are you guys excited for the new show? We're excited. Are, are you going to be watching it in uh, Gettysburg? Uh, in, oh, that's right. Um, yeah, I'll be in Gettysburg this weekend. This weekend, I, I'm, I'm in Gettysburg already for the big Gettysburg Battle Bash. Come on out. See, Shane and I are going to be there. There's going to be a lot of other great speakers this weekend. It's 20 bucks entrance, and all the money goes to the Wounded Warrior Project and Heroes for Hire for children uh, dealing with uh, terminal diseases and illness. So uh, there's, uh, I guess, around 1,500 to, you know, 1500 to 2,000 people that come out for this event. It's a lot of fun. We're going to be there putting on our A game, getting a chance to meet and greet and autograph signings and hanging out. So come on out and be a part of that this weekend. But the following weekend is the weekend that uh, my uh, my new show breaks, and I will be in Gettysburg, and I won't be leaving till Monday. So I'll I'll actually be watching it in Gettysburg. So I'll be live tweeting during the show. So you can check that out as well. Will you be in Michigan the following Sunday? Uh, yes. Yeah. Overnight? That is great. Yeah, I'm there. No, I won't be. No. Okay. Sunday I'm I'm You'll be home. Okay. Yeah. Shoot. Yeah. Well, all right. Hold on. We've got just a little bit more uh, money making to do here. Today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. What's the first thing that you'd do if... Say you had an extra hour in your day. Would you go for a run? Maybe take a nap? Read a book? Or just show up for a friend? A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. And the question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. If you're like me, you think, I can get through a lot. And we can. We're a resilient species. However, there are times that we need to reach out that hand and get a little help from somewhere else. That's what I did with BetterHelp. When I reached that limit and I realized things were getting a little bit out of control, instead of taking it out on my family or taking it out on myself, I just decided to reach out and get the help that I deserve. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, and it's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy, my darklings. Get better help. 
Visit BetterHelp.com slash P60. Do that today. You're going to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash P60. It's time to take control of your life. Dave's here rooting you on, and if I can do this, you can do this. Let's do this together. BetterHelp.com slash P60. There's a link for it on today's program guide. Hey guys, I also want to remind you something else pretty exciting. Big, big deal coming up. I want you to join me in Egypt. Uh, We have a very limited amount of tickets left for this. I believe we're down to six tickets left for the Egypt Obscuro event. It is Schraders of the Lost Ark. That's the way I like to call it. Tracy Ash will be there. Uh, She's a metaphysician. She is a medium. She is getting us access to some of the most amazing places. I'll be on hand. We're going to have a great time touring and seeing some of these pyramids into the crypts, and we get to do a special seance in Howard Carter's home right in time for the 100th anniversary of the opening of the crypt and the beginning of the curse of King Tutankhamun. So if you want to be a part of that, go check out darknesseventscom and you'll find it. Just scroll down the page and you can find all the events I'll be a part of between now and then. So I hope you'll go check that out as well. Let's get jumping back into it, guys. We still have some stories to try to cover here. Um, what have we got? Oh, this one's this one's a Dave story. Oh, it's I've had it. Whoa. I, mean, I never get, get enough of it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. I like wow. me some Dave. <laughs> All right. Well, on August 4th, 1990, two hikers near Calvine in Scotland took a photograph of a mysterious diamond-shaped flying object hovering in the middle of the sky. This is considered the best UFO picture ever. It's called the Calvine photo, and it's been found after missing for 30 years. Now, it's 32 years that that image dubbed the Calvine photo disappeared from the public eye, becoming the object of speculation, theories, and myths. But now, the groundbreaking image has finally resurfaced thanks to the efforts of British journalist David Clark. That's right. After 13 years of research, Clark, who has worked as a curator for Britain's National Archives and is currently an associate professor at Sheffield Hallam University, found that former Royal Air Force press officer Craig Lindsay had held onto a copy of the remaining original print, waiting for someone to inquire about the mysterious image. And it is pretty amazing. This is a great shot. Take a look at that. Now, in the photo, one of a series of six the hikers reportedly took, a diamond-shaped object can be seen flying in the sky while a fighter jet can be spotted in the background not too far from it. It's the first time that the public has had access to this elusive image, which has been described as the best UFO photo ever taken. Back in 1992, hikers brought the photo to Scotland's Daily Record newspaper for publication. But instead, the newspaper handed the image over to the British Ministry of Defense, which kept it secret until now. The Daily Record's picture editor at the time sent them to Craig Lindsay, who was the RAF press officer in Scotland. He passed the print to the Ministry of Defense in London. The Ministry of Defense in London then asked him to obtain the negatives. So he went back to the Daily Record, asked the Daily Record to send the negatives to London, which they duly did, quite amazingly. And that's when they disappeared. Poof. 
without a trace. The photograph and the the uh, negatives just disappeared. Clark writes that the information linked to the photo together with the image should have been normally released by now as 30 years have passed. But the identities of the two hikers who took the photo are still unknown and are not expected to be revealed before the year 2072 as the Ministry of Defense has cited privacy concerns. Oddly, um, despite all of the publicity, the two chaps who took the photos have never come forward, Clark told Newsweek. The negatives have never been seen since they reached the Ministry of Defense, and now the Ministry of Defense say that they return them to the Daily Record. But the Daily Record said they never received them, and they have no idea what happened to them. So there's a lot of questions yet to be answered. While we don't know exactly what happened to the men who took the photo, we do know what they described happened 32 years ago. And this is how it went. According to what Lindsay told Clark, the two men were working as chefs in a hotel in uh, Pitlochry in the Scottish Highlands when one summer evening they decided to go for a walk in the hills near Calvine. While out walking, the two spotted a huge diamond-shaped flying object moving silently in the sky. They saw this thing in the sky, and it scared them, Clark told Newsweek. They ran into some of the woodland area to sort out uh, their heads and figure out what they had just witnessed. When they heard this jet come down the valley, and then two minutes later, it returned and started circling around the object. And that's when they took the photographs. Whether what the two men saw on that summer evening in 1990 was actually a UFO, as the two men thought, it's unclear. Clark had the photo analyzed by one of his colleagues, senior lecturer in photography at Sheffield Hallam University, Andrew Robinson, who said the image shows no signs of manipulation. It follows that this is either a genuine, unidentified flying object in the sky, the report by Robinson reads, or that the construction of manipulation used to create this effect occurred in front of the camera and not in capturing of the scene on film, nor in the subsequent processing and printing of the image. Lindsay is also convinced that the image is not a hoax. But while Clark admits the photo is by far the best UFO photograph he's ever seen, the journalist says he doesn't believe the object in the image is actually an alien flying saucer. More on that as this story continues to unfold, but I thought that was a good one. Ah. What do you guys think? Is that to you, is that one of the most impressive photographs of a UFO? It's a good yeah, one. That's a good one. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, it's also showing, you know, a pretty good uh, image of the plane right below it. So it looks, yeah. it's, it's definitely a yeah. pretty good one. Something to consider. No doubt yeah. about it. All Those right. Those guys were chefs, huh? Yeah. Chef, good thing they had a camera out on their walk in 1990 they call shenanigans or chef nanigans thank you that was good good. thank you try the v i'll be here all week all right chachi 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 where are we going next sir my final story of the evening a woman shares her story about visits from aliens Mm -hmm. i wasn't sure that i was ever really going to tell anybody about this begins a woman on a tiktok confessional oh i hope this is what i think it is I don't want to freak everyone out because I'm fine. Then she begins to describe her ongoing and long-term interaction with what she thinks might be alien ships. For about seven or eight years, she claims, she would wake up in the middle of the night and see a strange object floating in her room. At first, the object appeared to her as a helium balloon. But lately, in the past 10 months or so, they have appeared as a tiny, intricate, and distinct alien ship. Most recently, one 
little red one, it was so cute, she said, finished its circuit of her bedroom, then opened a portal in the air and vanished through it. These experiences have not scared her, and she's keeping with her burgeoning spiritual understanding. Burgeoning? Also, is that the word? Is it burgeoning, maybe? Burgeoning is, sounds like something you do to beef before you'd cook it. Burgeoning? No, I think it's yeah. burgeoning. I think they were Is this not a story about beef? <laughs> it's not. Have a sip, everybody, oh, as we burgeon oh, the rest of this story in a second. Oh, God. It was I'm with you, Eric. It's burgeoning. It's, it's, right, it's burgeoning. Burgeoning. I got That's I got okay. three of them tonight. So Greg, you're uh you're you're the English guy. Is it burgeoning or burgeoning? Yeah, it's burgeoning. Yeah, burgeoning. Yeah. He's only got an associates. <laughs> yeah. So it's burgeoning. Well, that's already better than all of us, so we're good uh, to go. All right. So go on. Though seeing things that others can't can often make the person experience very uneasy. There is nothing inherently wrong or unsafe about it. Our brains are mysterious things, and input signals are not always as clear as we like to think. For example, mm. hypnagogic hallucinations. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Uh -huh. Hypnagogic. Mm. Hypnagogic. Jesus. What? Have another sip. It's hypnagogic what? and hypnagogic. Hypnagogic. What? What? <laughs> <laughs> Don't ever do that again. I almost sprayed my Bloody Mary all over. I was oh. looking for the nasal spray. I think, oh, Aaron, I think Greg did. Out. That's why he dipped off camera. It's You know, Dave, I think that was supposed to have been my story. That's that's the problem. Hypnogigic all the way. <laughs> Remember. Look at how red how red the detective's head is. It's like a mastery sitting on top okay. of that. Look at him. Oh. Uh, hypnogigic. Yeah. All right. Burgeoning and hypnogigigigic. Yeah. Yeah. You oh, know what's weird? Look it. I, I even highlighted it so I wouldn't screw it up, okay? Oh, good. <laughs> yeah. Look, you got this, Eric. You got this. Google pronunciation. Yeah. Just Google yeah. pronunciations. Right. Yeah. Sensing yeah. something that is not present with any of your five senses right as you are falling asleep or waking up are a very common experience for many people. It's like having a dream while still being awake. Mm. Additionally, studies have also shown that people who, quote, hear voices may actually be detecting sub-vocalizations, I didn't even have to highlight that, mm. inside their own heads. They are talking to themselves without even realizing it. Boom. Wow. Boom. Wow. That was great. Yeah, I would definitely high five you if you didn't blow burgeoning and hypnogenic. Oh, I said it was my last story of the night. I was preparing everybody. That's right. They knew what was coming. Wow. All right, Colonel. I see I slipped the story sometimes to uh, Eric to try to give you a little freedom, son. Thank you. And, uh, Thank you very much. Marty's had a strong you. night, let's be honest. Yeah, he's Marty is. He's kicked, you know, he's Man, been practicing. Not do, no, no, don't do that to me. Oh, you haven't no, made any mistakes tonight. This is great. Oh, my God. Nor do I expect you to make any. <laughs> no, no it, that would not happen. Not not when he's running the, you know. Strong. It's, seven, it's ninth inning. Yeah. Base is loaded. Hit it out of here. Base is loaded. Come on. Here we go. Pray okay. All right. Pray All right. for me. Shake it off, buddy. You got it. Here we go. Okay. So Fox uh -huh. Nation's Alien Abductions, hosted by Abby Hornacek, unpacks some of the most legendary alien encounters and introduces people around the world who claim to have been abducted by extraterrestrial beings. One of the several stories featured in the six-part series by that Hornacek traces is the mysterious invention of the integration. Oh, God. Oh, integration. <laughs> 
integration. <laughs> integraton. Integraton. Yeah, it's good integraton. lord. No. Yeah. Yeah, integration. Do you not look up the word integrity? Integration. That's gubernatural. All right. Okay. By George Ricky, Van Ricky. Hassel. Now that was I was right on that one. <laughs> he was right. I give him one. He got one. Yeah, I got mm-hmm. one back. A legendary mm-hmm. alien abductee and a ufologist who lived in the Mojave Desert in California. Van Tassel is largely considered to be one of the first contactees with aliens and in many ways is said to have kicked off a movement movement in 1950s America. A movement? No. I a corrected movement. myself. How simple are these words? <laughs> movement. Does that count movement. if you correct yourself? Is I that- correct yeah, myself. No, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it does. Do you, yeah. do you have bowel movements or is it dual movements? <laughs> Lisa Lowe. Yeah. Okay. Kickoff of a movement in 1950s America after allegedly encountering an alien from Venus named Solganda. Wow. Yeah. That you get right. Thank Mm -hmm. you. Uh, The new (laughs) Fox Nation series unpacks Van Tassel's story of meeting Solganda, who supposedly gave extraterrestrial instructions to Van Tassel on how to build an immortality device. This device became known as the Integratron, which is considered a time. Integratron. <laughs> Integratron. 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 I'm, I'm pronouncing it the way it is spelled. Hey. Which wait, wait, considered... oh, wait, are you? I N T E G R A T R O N. Integratron. Yeah. There you go. See? Oh, okay. Yeah. Integratron. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, okay. <laughs> which is considered a time machine. And a healing device. Well, built in mm-hmm. the 38-foot-tall structure, Van Tassel grew a following. He eventually turned into the Church of Universal Wisdom, increasing financial support for his out-of-this-world device. Kornicek travels through the legacies like Van Tassel's and speaks with experts to uncover the mysteries, mysteries and conspiracies of alien encounters and extraterrestrial beings on alien abductions available to stream now. We didn't interrupt you, but we all knew. Yeah, that was uh, <sighs> poor little fella. You guys, we you love guys. you. We love you, Colonel. Just remember that. That's the important thing. You only hurt the ones you love, the ones you never intended to hurt at all. Wow, is that how that works? That's deep. Yeah, I got to write. All that right, down. Gregor, or is that Drieg Lawson? Drieg, Drieg Lawson, you're up. What's our uh, What's our I've story? Been in the, I've been in the sun. I've got a little sunburn going on. Is it? Yeah. Is that, yeah. Uh, what you call it? Mm-hmm. So, uh, run down here to Brazil real quick, and uh, artwork stolen from elderly widow in bizarre soothsayer plot found uh, from Bra- Brazilian police. Mm. That's what it says. That's, mm. that's exactly what it says. I got to get in on this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Millions of dollars worth of art were stolen from an elderly widow in an alleged plot involving a soothsayer has been found by police in Brazil. Officers believe six people were involved in stealing the 16 paintings, which have been valued at more than one hundred and twenty five million dollars. Yeah. <laughs> The hall included museum-quality pieces from Brazil artists. 
Yeah. Police say that the plot to steal the works was orchestrated by the daughter of the 82-year-old widow who was married to an art collector and dealer. Of course. Mm, shady. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The widow's daughter was among those arrested on Wednesday, according to local media. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> She, uh, the police say the paintings were not taken in a heist, but rather through a con involving a self-proclaimed soothsayer. In January of 2020, the fortune teller approached the widow in Copacabana, Rio de Janeiro, and informed her that her daughter was sick and would soon die, police said. It was claimed that the widow, who holds mystical beliefs, was compelled to transfer a total of $1 million to the con artist over a course of two weeks for supposed spiritual treatment. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. How many times do we hear about that? I know. Yep. Too many. Yeah. Too many. You got to check that email, see if it's from Nigeria. You know, it's, it's it's a red flag there. All right. Her daughter allegedly then fired staff off of their home. That fired fired staff off of their home. Fired staff. Fired staff. You got to yeah, put the emphasis on the right syllable. Emphasis. There we go. Oh, uh, yeah. All right. The, her daughter allegedly fired staff at their home and allowed her accomplices to enter and take the pieces of art. After the work was stolen, the group then threatened the widow, and she transferred more money, police say. Of the 16 pieces, three were found at an art gallery in San Paulo, where the owner said he had bought them directly from the woman's daughter. He told police he had also sold two others to a museum in Latin America uh, called the Art in Buenos Aires Museum. (laughs) It's not what it's called. It was the, yeah, the, the, it was it was a meet the the Museum of Latin American Art in Buenos Buenos Aires. The museum in Buenos Aires. You do it just as wrong the second time. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. Back it up. Oh, and just keep, you're that guy that backs up and hits the curb, and then backs up and hits the curb. Shut but up. you're gonna just keep going. Oh, there you go. That's easier. Right out of the old bottle. Uh, all right, I know it's hard to believe, children, but we are here. We are no, at the final say it story. So. No, uh, I I would be lying, uh, and I'm not yeah. that kind of guy. We're at uh, 73, uh, paranormal 73 anyway. Yeah, well, let's hit the paranormal 90. We're good at All it. Right. Uh, our next yeah. story, guys, this takes us back into the Wayback Machine to 1835. It's the Great Moon Hoax, and I was unfamiliar with this story. <laughs> The story takes us all the way back to 1835. The Great Moon Hoax emerged from a series of newspaper articles describing newly discovered, newly discovered. I'll just have that sip right now. (laughs) (laughs) Nearly discovered the earth. Yeah, I was going to go out with a bang and I'm going out with a whimper. The Great Moon Hoax emerged from a series of... Ah. Newspaper articles describing newly discovered life on the moon, including winged human-like creatures and never-before-seen species of flora and fauna. Readers were astounded by the reports in the New York Sun, which were reprinted in many newspapers in the United States and Europe. The articles, purportedly written by Dr. Andrew Grant, detailed the discoveries of Sir John Herschel, a widely known astronomer who in real life had speculated of the possibility of life 
on the moon. The Sun ran six articles on the discoveries over the course of a week beginning on August 25th of 1935. The stories, including amazing descriptions of life on the moon, is viewed through an enormous telescope with hydro-oxygen. That's what they claim he used, hydro-oxygen lenses built by Herschel at an observatory on the Cape of Good Hope in South Africa. Grant wrote about golden temples and a ruby coliseum built by Batman, which were believed to be the humanoids populating the moon. Now, he also reported how some of their amusements would but ill comport with our terrestrial notions of decorum. Apparently, these winged humans like to share intimate moments in public, presumably of a bit of a sexual nature, friends. So that's that's what they were talking about in fancy uh, words. Grant went on to describe other animals seen through the telescope. They included a large bipedal beaver. <laughs> I put myself on mute. Nope. Thank you. They carried, its young, they carried its young in its arms, as well as herds of beasts similar to bison, goats of bluish lead color, and a strange amphibious creature of a spherical form. Now, readers were captivated by the accounts published under the heading Great Astronomical Discoveries Lately Made by Sir John Herschel. New Yorkers reportedly spoke of nothing but this lunar rev revelations for days. Other newspapers were quick to jump on the story, reprinting the articles soon after they ran in the sun. Publications as far west as Cincinnati and London and Paris carried the series as well. Asia Green, editor of the New York Transcript, recalls in 1837 how everyone seemed caught up in these stories. The credulity was general. All New York rang with the wonderful discoveries of Sir John Herschel. There were indeed a few skeptics, but to venture to express a doubt of the genuineness of the great lunar discoveries was considered almost as heinous a sin as to question the truth of revelation. At first, people generally believed the reports in sober truth. If this account is true, it is most enormously wonderful, according to former New York Mayor Philip Hone, who wrote in his diary. Soon, though, as more fantastical accounts were released, some, some began to have their suspicions, gentlemen. One of the first publications to voice its doubt was the Journal of Commerce, a biweekly magazine in New York that primarily covered global trade news. When its editor wrote, there is no doubt but the article was manufactured in this country and that it belongs to the same school as Robinson Crusoe and Gulliver's Travels. My goodness. Slowly, the truth began to emerge. And on August 31st, James Gordon Bennett, Sr., owner of the New York Herald, printed an article titled The Astronomical Hoax Explained. He presented evidence debunking the Sun's stories, pointing out that the Edinburgh Journal of Science, the supposed source of these series, had ceased publication all the way back in 1833. And there was no Dr. Andrew Grant, nor did the fabulous telescope exist. Herschel, who was real, did build the telescope at his observatory in South Africa, but it could only see the stars, not life on other planets. Bennett also identified the author of the unsigned articles, Richard Adams Locke, a New York Sun reporter. For its part, the public seemed amused by the revelation, taking it as nothing more than a good-natured joke. And at the time, the profession of journalism was not well-established, and most people understood that newspapers were not always purveyors of very accurate information. So it's good to see things have changed in all these years, huh, guys? They've gotten <laughs> yeah. a little bit more, more accurate with their uh, reporting. 
Oh, yeah. One of those who uh, did object, though, was Edgar Allan Poe, the author of many other worldly stories of his own. He argued that the Suns series ripped off one of his stories published a few months earlier in The Unparalleled Adventure of One Hans Fall, which Poe also claimed was a true story. The hero visits the moon in a hot air balloon. The hoax was circulated to an immense extent and was translated into various languages, was even made the subject of a quizzical discussion in astronomical societies, and was, upon the whole, decidedly the greatest hit in the way of sensation, of merely popular sensation ever made by any similar fiction, either in America or in Europe. That's what Poe wrote about it later. Three years later, Locke tried to pull off another hoax in the new era, a New York newspaper. He wrote that he had discovered a long-lost letter of Scottish explorer Mungo Park, who had disappeared in West Africa in 1805. But nobody, nobody was buying his story this time, though, guys. Locke eventually did give up journalism and work for the Customs Service in New York. When he died in 1871, the New York Sun reported in his obituary, Mr. Locke was the author of the moon hoax, the most successful scientific joke ever published. The story was told with a minuteness of detail and dexterous use of technical phrases that not only imposed upon the ordinary reader, but deceived and puzzled men of science to an astonishing degree. Yeah, the minuteness, I think, is what I meant to say. Not <laughs> but I made it all the way through. Good. That was yeah, that's right. Minuteness. I actually See, like that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good story. I love the uh, the imagery of the guy with the giant telescope looking like down at it and uh, <laughs> all the strange little batmen that were yeah. building stuff and fornicating on the moon for people mm. to see. Mm. Uh-huh. That's, that's a happen. scientific word. Wow. Fornication? Um, it is. It yeah, is. bothins use that a lot. Bothins. Wow. Yeah. You guys are yeah. so special. Well, Full that's circle. it for this week. Thanks a lot for uh, being here. We'll be back Monday with a brand new edition of the Paranormal 60 and next Friday with the Paranormal 60 News. I am your lead anchor, Dave Schrader, along with me, the Paranormal Detective Greg Lawson, the Colonel himself, Martin Vias, and Chachi, 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 Eric Folsom. And we'll be live next week at Michigan Paracon hanging out. Come on over, get your pictures with the crew, say hi. They'll sign autographs. They'll kiss babies. They'll shake hands. That's just the way we roll right here on the best in paranormal programming. This is the Paranormal 60.
The Paranormal 60 News is a words is hard production and read in a hypnogogonic state. <laughs> <laughs>